Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Today on Parts Per Billion, we've got another PFAS show for you. This time, we're looking at a whole new avenue that PFAS litigation is heading down. It's not about firefighting foam, it's about firefighting gear. Hello, welcome once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So as I mentioned at the top, we're coming to you today with another episode about PFAS, those nonstick chemicals that have been one of the biggest environmental problems of the last few years. For those not in the know, PFAS is an abbreviation that stands for per and polyfluoral alkyl substances. And while these chemicals are great for some things, like quickly putting out fires or making nonstick fabrics, they have a bit of a fatal flaw. Many PFAS chemicals almost never break down in the environment. They just build up in soil, in water, and most troubling, in the human body, where they can cause a host of health issues. That's why they have the nickname Forever Chemicals. There's a ton of litigation over PFAS out there, a lot of which we've talked about on this very podcast. And a lot of it has had to do with the spraying of firefighting foam that contains PFAS, especially on airports and military bases. However, in recent months, a new front in the PFAS legal wars has opened up, and it has to do with clothing. Specifically, the protective clothing that is worn by firefighters. Yes, those gloves and jackets and pants contain PFAS, and now firefighters who say their gear has made them sick are taking the chemical makers to court. Andrew Wallander and Fatima Hussein, two legal reporters here at Bloomberg Law, recently did a deep dive into this litigation and why it's different than what we've seen before. And they say it's also created some surprising rifts within the community of firefighters themselves. I started off by asking Andrew and Fatima exactly what type of firefighting gear is at issue here. So we're talking about uh, turnout or, or bunker gear uh, for firefighters. So think of the big bulky jacket and, and pants um, that you would see a firefighter responding to a, a fire with. Um, so, you know, the, the heavier stuff that's, that's water repellent um, and keeps them safe from, from the heat and, and, and fire when they're, when they're fighting a fire. So this gear is coated in PFAS? Is that what it is? Yes, that's the argument that we're seeing, especially in court documents um, that have been filed. So let's talk about these uh, lawsuits here. We have firefighters who say they were injured by the, uh, uh, the gear that was coated in PFAS. You know, one of them actually is filed by former Parts for Billion guest uh, Rob Balot, who you may have seen uh, in the movie theaters, uh, in the movie Dark Waters. He was portrayed, uh, his, the story of his uh, life was portrayed by, um, oh my God, what's his name? Mark Ruffalo. Thank you. Oh, wow. I couldn't 
I uh, couldn't remember his name. Mark Ruffalo. How could you forget? Um, so, you know, we have a lot of lawsuits. One of them, as I mentioned, filed by Rob Balot, kind of PFAS celebrity, so to speak. Um, Fatima, tell me about these suits. What are they alleging? Where are they filed? And what stage are they at? So the big one that uh, we were referring to um, comes out of Ohio, and it's a proposed class action that Bilot brought on behalf of a firefighter named Hardwick, and he is alleging that Hardwick was um, exposed to very high levels of PFAS, not just in the foam, but also in his um, turnout gear or his firefighter gear. The class action also um, calls on anyone in America who has high levels of PFAS in their blood to be um, plaintiffs in this very large class action. And in a conversation I had with Mr. Balot, he mentioned that it's likely that there could be millions of people who could become um, plaintiffs in this class action. It's not just limited to firefighters, but I think the fact that he mentioned the gear in this lawsuit is material to our story as well. So who are the defendants here? Is it the, the um, you know, firefighting uh, com- the companies that make this gear or is it the companies that make PFAS? Like who, who's being sued? The companies that make PFAS. So 3M is the major um, defendant. And then there are a group of other smaller companies that are also named as defendants in the lawsuit. So... Andrew, one of the really interesting things about your story is that the firefighting unions and the firefighters here are not really on the same page. This was really surprising to me. Um, you know, it seems like I would think that the firefighting unions would be backing these firefighters who are, who are filing these suits 100%, but that doesn't seem like it's the case. What, what's going on here? Yeah, so I, I think there's a few things there. Um, we, we talked to the union and they said, they stressed that they're waiting for all of the research to be out there. They want to make sure um, they're very sure of what they're going to say um, when they say it. Uh, and so they actually have three studies going um, themselves that they're looking at different aspects of uh, PFAS and gear. Uh, so they're looking at um, the gear itself, uh, testing for the presence of PFAS chemicals um, in the gear. They're looking at the dust and fire stations to see if um, you know, is PFAS being brought into the, the firehouse by um, the gear maybe shedding? Um, and or is it something that the firefighters are being exposed to uh, at the site of fires? And, and then also looking at the blood of firefighters as well to see if they have elevated levels of PFAS um, in their blood. Um, but I, I think um, one other part to look at with this as well is that um, the union does have a good relationship with a lot of the, the manufacturers um, that are making this gear. Uh, so they've actually received hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years from um, these manufacturers, sponsoring their, their annual conferences, um, providing uh, revenue for their, their magazine that they put out, the union puts out. Um, and so I, I think that kind of factors into the, the first part as well, making sure that they um, have all the research there uh, before they say anything and perhaps... Um, alienate um, some of the partners that they have. Yikes. Well, that's uh, a complicated relationship there between uh, the unions and the the gear makers. Um, But it sounds like overall, I get the sense that, you know, the unions want to take a much more deliberate approach. Is is there another reason why, you know, I'm thinking maybe they're worried that a premature 
ruling will make it harder to win cases down down the line. Is that another factor here? Yeah, yeah I'm, that I'm not that I'm not so sure about. Um, I, I I think that they're you know also being being very careful about what they say because there is no alternative right now um, to to what gear is available. Um, and, and so there has been a push to kind of educate firefighters about, you know, not wearing the gear at all times. Don't bring it to school events um, or, or community fairs. Um, just wear it when you're, you know you're going to be responding to a, um, a fire. Uh, don't keep it in the, in the cab of your, of your car where, you know, the, the chemicals can um, uh, come off and, and, and expose others. Yeah, that was another part of your story that I that really caught my attention was that, you know, the firefighters have to weigh the risks of getting sick maybe 10, 20 years down the line versus, you know, needing that gear to work right now. And it sounds like based on what you guys reported, uh, and, you know, this actually kind of jives with what uh, we've heard a lot in the past is that there's no real alternative to PFAS that is as effective. Um, you know, can you talk about that a little bit, Fatima, that, you know, one of the reasons why this pro this issue is so hard to solve is that there's just no, there's no other alternative, right? Right. That was something we've heard from a lot of the sources that we conferred with, but um, in the interim right now, there are several states including California, Minnesota, Kentucky, and Virginia, that have begun to um, find a workaround to the fact that there aren't alternatives by creating legislation that um, compels manufacturers to notify or to create some sort of notification requirement to um, firefighters to let them know that there is this um, chemical that could create some long-term hazards to them. Um, I spoke with Senator Ben Allen in California, who gave me a really great interview and explained that this is something that is the only viable alternative by just notifying firefighters um, while we search for better alternatives that would prevent people from burning to death as they try to you know, serve their communities and, and help people. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. All right, let's sort of talk about the policy uh, angles here. And Fatima, this is kind of your your bailiwick. Firefighters now, it seems like, have to use gear that has that you know has PFAS in it. It seems like that's unavoidable. Uh, 
does this become a worker safety issue? Um, and if so, does that mean that OSHA is going to get involved? What I'm not super familiar with how OSHA works or all the laws there. Can you talk about how this works when, you know, it seems like firefighters are exposed to an unavoidable hazard? That's a great question. OSHA is a uh, an agency that is funded very um, strategically so that it's, it's difficult to get resources allocated or legislation um, created that would in one way or another protect workers. There's, there's still conversation about how to protect people during COVID-19, and that's what is the big conversation right now. In terms of protecting firefighters, OSHA hasn't necessarily um, been as involved here, and I think that's why we're seeing um, states pass their own sort of legislation, even if it's just to notify these workers that there is um, a, a major hazard in their midst that they're not totally aware of. Um, OSHA is in many ways responsible for worker safety right now, but um, in terms of what they're able to do and policies that they want to create, I mean, we're still talking about lead poisoning and um, other other very hazardous um, substances that haven't been regulated in, in many, many, many years. So um, the fact that this is such a new issue is really um it will take some time for OSHA to be able to catch up. Funded very strategically. That's a very interesting adjective uh, that you, or adverb that you chose to use. Um, so last, the last question, either either of you can sort of uh, field this. Um, you know, it sounds like OSHA has a lot on its plate and, uh, you know, has a lot of other issues that have been around for a lot longer than PFAS that is still struggling to deal with. But do you see that um, the agency's, uh, stance on this changing now that we have a new administration that may want to make OSHA a lot more aggressive than it has been I- in the past? Um, let's assume that the Senate turns blue and there will okay. be complete democratic power. Having covered OSHA for the the several years that I have at this point, um, I think there are some policy issues that they've been trying to get past that haven't yet. And I don't think that the regulation of PFAS is a priority for OSHA right now. It seems like um, in talking to former OSHA officials and current OSHA officials that getting a emergency temporary standard for COVID-19 will be the major priority now. But again, because um, this issue is so brand new and Andrew and I in our research discovered that most people want to talk about foam and when it comes to the gear that's such a it's such a brand new topic um osha exploring that would be really beneficial to this important group of people who save individuals lives but ultimately i don't see that agency taking this issue um as a priority you know, other than OSHA, there are some other agencies um, in, in government bodies that are looking at this as well. Uh, so you, you have within the um, CDC, the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, they've been looking at this um, issue. Um, and then you have the uh, National Institute of Standards, Standards and Technology, um, which is a, a, a non-regulatory lab within the government, and they've been kind of uh, researching um, the issue of uh, uh, PFAS and firefighter gear. 
that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment. That's all you need to know, at environment. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to send me any early Hanukkah gifts. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself and Josh Block. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and City of God by Lewis Edwards and Henry Parsley. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Adam Allington. I'm a senior podcast producer at Bloomberg Law. And I'm Lisa Hellam, executive editor for Strategic Initiatives. And we're here to announce a new season of Uncommon Law, a narrative podcast series from Bloomberg Law. As last summer's protests against police violence and systemic racism continue to reverberate, we'll focus our attention on how those events are impacting the world of large corporate law firms. We're calling this first series, Black Lawyers Speak, Stories of the Past, Hopes for the Future. And while there's been renewed attention on diversity and inclusion in these last six months, Big Law's track record in this area remains very much a work in progress. Many of our graduates go into spaces in which they are one of the only African-American lawyers. They may be the only African-American lawyer. The thing that always gets me about racism is how much money white people are willing to give up to prop it up. You'll hear a range of voices from across the legal community, including associates and partners, law school deans, as well as general counsel. We will very regularly look at those metrics because there may be firms that you know, do well for a year or two, but then fall behind. We'll also hear from some path-breaking African-American attorneys in corporate law. How have they dealt with issues of inclusion? And what changes are they hoping to see in the profession? When I first started teaching in 1986, you used to have to spend the time, uh, the, the first half an hour of some diversity discussion convincing people that diversity was an important goal. You don't have to do that anymore. But the problem is, they haven't made a huge amount of progress. It's not fair, but what can be better than being on the front lines of helping to make this country better for all of us? If not us, who? If not now, when? If you'd like to learn more about how the business of law intersects with issues of social justice and corporate culture, then this is the podcast for you. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.